Broadcasting from the Cradle of Liberty in Philadelphia. All the way to the rhythm and blues of Beale Street in Memphis. To high atop the Wasatch Mountains in Utah. This is where politically correct perception meets common sense. This is the Joe Carey Show. Hey, happy Monday and welcome to the Joe Carey Show. I hope everyone had a, uh, a great 4th of July celebration. Uh, I know that uh, I spent a, a good chunk of the day watching uh, Donald Trump at the National Mall. I was kind of disappointed. You really didn't get to see any of the tanks or the planes. Uh, if you tuned in, all you did was you watched Donald Trump speaking, referencing the tanks and the planes. But they never cut away. They never showed any of it. But it looks like a record crowd uh, at the National Mall, despite the rain, despite the liberal media downplaying the event, uh, Donald Trump did go. It wasn't uh, a political speech at all. It was very apolitical and uh, a celebration of America. So uh, kudos, uh, kudos to the administration for pulling that off. Right now we're watching, and it, it's kind of sad uh, the House of Representatives, I forget which committee, but one of the Democrats is we're going to launch an investigation into uh, Donald Trump's speech and the cost because they're saying it cost about three million dollars to uh, bring in the tanks, do the flyover. And, you know, this kind of waste is just not going to be tolerated. And I think, wait a second. In the last month, you have had the Democrats promise free college, free housing, free phones. Free tuition, a price tag of $98 trillion to save the earth. And this Democrat's upset about a $3 million overage? Come on. It shows you how weak the Democrats really are. If they really had another direction to go, they'd be heading in that direction. If they had proposals that had traction with the American people, they'd be talking about that. They've got nothing. They have absolutely nothing. So now what are they going to do? We're going to investigate this $3 million. Well, investigate it. It's apparently that's what they do best. The other thing I want to talk about is, uh, I'm sure you've seen this. The first story came out of Texas. It's just gross. Uh, if you saw the video, a girlfriend and apparently her boyfriend, a girl and apparently her boyfriend, they walk into a Walmart in Texas and they, they go to the ice cream aisle and they pull out, it looks like a, a half gallon of ice cream. And they take off the lid and the girl then licks the, the ice cream, right? The top of the ice cream with, with her tongue. Then she puts the lid back on and she replaces the ice cream back into the freezer and they walk away. And, I mean, they think this is hilarious because we have surveillance video, right? You have the Walmart surveillance video, and this young lady just cackling as she walks away. Like, oh, this is the funniest thing ever. Isn't that just—it just gets you, like, sick. And as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, this is, like, who raises these monsters? Like, who wakes up in the morning and thinks, thinks to do this? And then you have two people, and between the two of them, they don't have half a, half a brain to say, you know what, this isn't right, this isn't funny, this is sick. So I hope if you live in, you know, uh, Texas and you had ice cream this holiday that, uh, well, you make sure that your tetanus shot is up to date. 
kudos to the police. They track her down. They track this young lady. She could face up to 20 years in prison. Turns out she's a minor. And apparently a cooperative minor. They confronted her. She said, yes, that was me. Yes, I did it. And because she's a juvenile, uh, apparently she's getting a lifetime free supply of ice cream. I'm not sure what happens uh, if you're a juvenile and you do this, but apparently it's not very severe. But sadly, there's already a copycat. This past weekend, there was a 36-year-old male, right? She's a minor, so she's under the age of 18. Now you have a 36-year-old man. I guess we can call him a man. A 36-year-old man, he walks into a store. What does he do? Heads right to the ice cream section, pulls off the lid of ice cream, and he licks it. And in the video, they show him putting, you know, the ice cream back on the, the shelf and he leaves. But in reality, he bought the ice cream, right? So he was, he was truly just filming this for publicity, for notoriety, for his social media. Police have also charged him with several uh, criminal offenses. Can we just agree, you know, can we just agree, if you lick ice cream in public and put it back on the shelf, whether you intend to leave it there or you're just doing it for, uh, you know, popularity, can we agree that uh, you should be locked up in Gitmo for at least 12 years? I would say longer, but according to AOC, the earth is ending in 12 years, and there's no sense keeping them there after the earth ends. So just 12 years. Just a show of hands, you know, just a show of hands that, you know, anyone who licks ice cream and puts it back on a shelf, should be locked up. Right next to the people who recline their seats on airplanes. Just those two, that's it. That's all I'm asking for. Just those two sets of people. You know, but when I hear stories about that, it's nauseating, it's revolting, and it's wrong. But this is exactly what the Founding Fathers meant when they said, you need a moral society to sustain what we've built for you. You know, that's, they, didn't, they weren't saying you needed to be Victorians, you needed to be prudes, you needed to be pious. That's not what they meant when they said you need to be a moral society. Do you know that store in Walmart where the first liquor was caught, you know, licking ice cream? Do you know what they did? They assigned a Walmart worker to stay in that aisle over the 4th of July weekend because they didn't want copycats. There are not enough police. There are not enough uh, workers. There are not enough security to keep ice cream safe in this country. And when the Founding Fathers said you need a moral and just society, this is what they were talking about. They were talking about, hey, you need to regulate yourself. You need to wake up in the morning and stop yourself from doing certain things. Right? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because it's funny doesn't mean you should. Just because it'll make you popular doesn't mean you should do it. But wow, I look around and I'm like, man, a lot of those breaks that we had built in, right, that your mom and dad instilled in you, we don't see too much of that anymore. Now it's, hey, if I can do it, let me give it a shot.
But when we come to a point in time when only government is all that stands between us and doing something or not doing something, that's not a good position to be in. Government is last resort. And we're watching this pivot now towards, well, you know what, it'll be the first resort. Let's do it. Uh, just two other stories I, I want to uh, talk about real quick. Uh, Joe Biden, you know, you got to be thankful for Joe Biden in a way. Remember about two years ago, there was a push among the Democrats and progressives, and they were saying, well, you know, this is really a Barack Obama's economy. Donald Trump really didn't do a lot. This is all a, uh, Barack Obama. He's the one that's bringing all this financial uh, and economic success to the country. Donald Trump just happens to be president. Eh, that's a bunch of bunk. And we all know it. And the Democrats were saying that until what? Until Joe Biden said he may run for president. And all of a sudden, the Democrats couldn't give Barack Obama credit anymore for the economy. Because if they gave Barack Obama credit for the economy, you got to give Joe Biden credit. You think Kamala Harris... And Spartacus and and Pocahontas, do you think they're going to give Joe Biden credit for the economy? No way. So they stopped it. All their praise for Barack Obama and what it it disappeared. That's the kind of cynicism that uh, we are facing today. Um, Hey, when we come back, uh, I want to talk a little bit about AOC and the progressives in Congress. They are going at it. They're fighting each other. I also want to talk about what Joe Biden said about, uh, you know, he wasn't going to put up with any election meddling by Putin. He was going to draw the line there. That we have two guests that I'm going to announce when we come back and a lot more right here on the Joe Carey Show. Stay tuned. 801-331-8113. 801-331-8113. Should we put ice cream liquors in jail? That and more right after this break. Welcome back to the Joe Carey Show, 801-331-8113, 801-331-8113. We talked about the ice cream uh, licking. Give us a call. I mean, is that just a youthful, you know, hey, they're young, they're kids, they're dumb. I mean, we all do dumb things. Do you chalk it up to that or do you look at it as a symptom of something greater, that something has soured in society? Now, I tend to look at it the latter way, that, you know, this just isn't, you know, a bunch of kids having fun. You know, and I separate the two, like the guy, the 36-year-old who filmed it and put it back in, but eventually he bought it. You know, that's different than the first young lady who licked it and apparently just left it there. Like, she was okay with you going into that store with your kids, dishing up that ice cream and eating what she had licked. 
So is this just a youthful indiscretion, right? Kids are going to be kids. Don't worry about it. Why are you getting so worked up? Or do we look at this and say, you know, this is more evidence of a, of a turning point, that something truly has happened. Like we've jumped the rails here. 801-331-8113, 801-331-8113. Give us a call. We want to hear from you also at the bottom of the hour at uh, two, uh, 1230. We are going to have uh, Tara Tenney on. She is the daughter of Lavoie Finnicum. She has a uh, new book out, uh, Liberty Rising, One Cowboy's Ascent. The murder of Lavoie Finnicum is told by his daughter. So she's going to be on with us later on. She'll be talking about that. And uh, you don't want to miss that. She'll be on at the bottom of the hour at uh, 1230 Mountain Standard Time for that interview. You know, and I, we made this prediction on this show when Joe Biden entered the race. And we said there's no way he's going to be the nominee because the party. Remember Ronald Reagan's famous line? You know, I didn't leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party left me. That's what happened to Joe Biden. Joe Biden still thought, you know, this is the Democrat Party of the 70s, of the 80s, or even the 90s. What he didn't realize was there has been a massive shift, especially at the leadership in the Democrat Party. I think your rank-and-file Democrats, I think they're probably eh, probably a little bit more liberal than RFK, you know, uh, than Bobby Kennedy. But I think at the end of the day, I think they stand up. I think they say the Pledge of Allegiance. I think they, you know, are patriotic. I think they love America. But there is a group inside that body politic that loathes America, that hates what America stands for. And Joe Biden just, he didn't realize that. He didn't understand that. And that's why when Barack Obama refused to endorse Joe Biden, it's not because Joe Biden didn't ask for his endorsement. It's because Obama knew, look, this guy may not be the nominee. I'm not going to spend my political capital endorsing a guy that's not going to win the nomination. So now it looks like Joe Biden is actually trailing in some of the polls, in some of the state polls. Nationally, he's still the forerunner, but a single digit now, before it was a double digit lead. Now it's a single digit lead. He's losing uh, big donors to his campaign. Financial backers have come out and said, now nah, we're out. We're not going to give to Joe anymore. And you are watching that pivot away from Joe Biden. Not in small incremental steps, but in big leaps. The beneficiaries, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, and Mayor Pete. Even Bernie Sanders is down in the polls. And I don't think it's because of what Bernie is saying. But I think the Democrats in his party look at him. One, he's white. Right? And that's not the color you want to be if you're in the Democrat Party. Two, you're male. Three, you're rich. I mean, he has three homes, multi-million dollar income. And four, he lost to Hillary. And that bothers Democrats. Democrats are truly asking themselves, look, if you can't even beat Hillary, how are you going to beat Donald Trump? 
So Bernie has all this baggage, but none of it's his policies. None of it's because he's a socialist. None of it's because he wants to give, 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 give. And in order to give, if you're a Democrat socialist, you've got to take. But the party has no aversion to that. The party has no problem with that. The problem is he's white, he's male, he's old, and he lost to Hillary. Uh, the other story I, I want to touch on is, uh, and we'll just talk about this briefly, the uh, candidates running for president, all the Democrats that are running, and Tom uh, uh, Stoyer, he may be jumping in. There's, believe it or not, like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, about 40% of the time they vote to support Donald Trump's nominees to the federal bench. About 40% of the time. Now that they've all declared and are running for president, that's dropped to about 0% support. Right? And this is the problem. They have to feed the beast, right? In order to stay relevant, in order to keep their credentials with the progressive militant wing of their party, they can't be seen as cooperating with the party. They can't be seen cooperating excuse me, with the Republican Party. So last year, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, about 40% of the time, they would vote to confirm the nominees of Donald Trump. This year, 0%. And not only that, you have some like uh, nominees coming out and saying, you know what? If I win, I'm going to pack the court. We're going to have 20 justices, not nine. And I'm going to appoint 10 liberal justices that will always outweigh the existing nine, or I'll add five and they'll be super progressive. That's even too crazy for Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders said, ah, that's a little too much. What he's proposing is just rotating judges. Well, what do you mean? Like mannequins and like a storefront window? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's a new season? Okay. These judges, these justices, they're out. We're going to put these in. At least packing the court doesn't appear to be unconstitutional, right? There's no provision in the Constitution that says you can only have nine justices. Pa uh, rotating the judges, you run into this pesky thing called the Constitution, right? Because the president has the power to appoint. And you can't take that power from the president. Senate has the power to confirm. Along those lines, on Sunday, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo unveiled the Unalienable Rights Commission. Unalienable Rights Commission. Where basically now you have Democrats, uh, everything's an unalienable right. Everything you have a right. Right to free health care, right to cars, right to telephones. And Pompeo basically is coming. It's interesting this is coming from the uh, Secretary of State versus the Department of Justice. But what he's saying is, look... As a world, right, as, as this league of nations, as this community of nations, we need to understand what is a universal right. What is a, we used to call them natural rights. And before that, we used to call them God-given rights, things that governments don't give people, things that we're endowed with from God. And he says, let's take a look and let's really decide what is an unalienable right. 
It's kind of scary. Do we really need government to tell us what rights come from God? When we come back, Tara Tenney and her new book, you don't want to miss that, uh, 801-331-8113. You're listening to The Joe Carey Show right here on the Loving Liberty Radio Network. We'll be back with Tara Tenney right after this break. Credible, thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to the Joe Carey Show right here on K Talk 1640 AM KYAH and the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Thank you for uh, tuning into the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, as many of you in this audience know, I've never I never had the opportunity of meeting uh, Lavoie Finicum. Uh, a good friend had given me uh, the novel that he had written, Only by Blood and Suffering, and she gave me this book. And I was getting ready to board a plane back to Philadelphia, and I was in Salt Lake. And she said, "Joe, just do me a favor. Will you read this book?" And a lot of people give me books, and a lot of them just aren't that good. And she gave me this book, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll take a look at it. And I got on the plane, and it was, a, it was a red eye. So it was in the middle of the night. I'm flying back to Philadelphia, and I start reading this book. And can I tell you, I can't put it down. I can't put this book down. And I read the book cover to cover on this flight from Salt Lake to Philadelphia. And that was my first introduction to... Lavoy Finicum. And uh, I had reached out. Uh, we were trying to schedule an interview uh, for me to interview Lavoy about this book, this novel. And then the tragic events unfolded, and I never had that opportunity to, to do that. But uh, we do have the opportunity uh, to speak with his daughter, uh, Tara Tenney, who is on the line with us. Tara, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thanks, Joe. I really appreciate the opportunity to to be able to be on your show. You've had a lot uh, going on. I've had the opportunity of meeting Tara and spending some time with her over the, uh, uh, the years. And Tara, you are always someone that is on the move, um, either intellectually, uh, you're out there trying to learn something and digest it, or physically, you're out at rallies and events and you're speaking. What let me start with this. What motivates that in you? What brings that out in you? What drives you? Well, it was the tragedy of my dad having his right to life and due process um, not afforded him. That's what really put the flame under me. I've always been uh, outspoken, a leader, put myself out there, but I've never really done it in the sense of freedom events or, you know, going and speaking at things like this until after my dad's right to life was taken. Now, can I ask you, you, your family uh, made the step and you filed a lawsuit against the government uh, for uh, what took place up there in Oregon, uh, how they uh, killed your father. What's the status of that lawsuit? What is happening with that lawsuit? And do you feel it's going to bring not the closure, but but maybe the justice that your family is looking for? 
Um, the status of our um, wrongful death case is that it's on hold. Um, it's been postponed for several reasons, no fault of our own. First, the dispute over the wall that Trump is building, the government shut down it and delayed all of the federal cases. And then once the cases started getting back on the schedule after the government shut down, somebody on the defendant team, one of the attorneys, is suffering from cancer. And so they petitioned the judge for a delay in the case so that he could get his treatment. And so we're pushed out until September. Do we feel like we're going to accomplish our goal? You know, nothing is going to bring Dad back alive. Um, nothing is going to play, replace that void that we have with him being taken from us. However, we feel that our case is a strong one in that it can help open the eyes and preserve due process for other individuals who may be put in a similar position where they're, where they're labeled as a domestic terrorist. And then falsified threat assessments give officers, you know, the idea that lethal force is justified. That maybe some reform will take place that will help preserve our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so, in essence, we feel that, that our case could begin this, the baby steps in accomplishing that. Do you think you're going to learn things, Tara, from this wrongful death action? Um, much like in the Bundy case, uh, a lot of information came to light that the government was trying to hide, that they were trying to keep from the public. Do you feel that this wrongful death action is going to bring to light uh, additional facts uh, about what happened to your dad that we don't know about yet? Oh, I absolutely have 100% confidence in, in that we will, through our deposition or the subpoena process, that we will become privy to information of the misconduct, the, the uh, corruption, the lying. Um, absolutely. Sitting through the, the uh, my mom, she sat through the entire case in the courtroom of the FBI agent who was indicted during that mission when my father's right to life was taken. And there was an overwhelming amount of information that was just discovered just in that case. And um, so we are very excited to expose misconduct because that's part of the process of holding people accountable. And that process of holding people accountable is what helps remind people who seek to expand their control or use misconduct that, hey, maybe I shouldn't do this because I will be held accountable. If it just goes unchecked, then the, the misconduct just grows and it becomes more egregious and more, more blatant and um, not okay and not held accountable. Uh, Tara, I think you're referring to a, was it Joe Astoria? And his case, was he the FBI yes, agent? Yes. Yeah, yeah, the FBI just... agent. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. He was, uh, just gra he was indicted by a grand jury. He finally was tried um, in the courts of Oregon. He was found not guilty. However, the Oregonian a reporter who sat through the case interviewed the, the head juror, and asking, you know, how they came to their verdict. And the first thing that came out of that head juror's mouth was, we all knew somebody was lying. Throughout the entire trial, it was, ooh, Oregon State Police did it. Ooh, the FBI did it. And at one point, we knew it was them. And the other point, we knew it was, was them. And then they said, at one point, we finally just had to, as a jury, decide that there was 
planted too much reasonable doubt within our minds that we could not convict a man. But they all walked away knowing that somebody was lying. Right. So that's real comforting knowing that our state agents are colluding with our federal agents to scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. <laughs> so it's uh, a mess that needs to be cleaned up. Well, look, we'll be following uh, the wrongful death suit, and uh, we wish you and your family well in that. Let's talk a little bit about you somehow, amazingly, found the time uh, between everything that you do, between your speaking engagements and the traveling that you do. You found the time to write a book. It's called Liberty Rising, One Cowboy's Ascent, the Murder of Lavoy Finnicum is Told by His Daughter. And that's available on Amazon.com. I'd encourage you to please go download, read the book. Can you tell us, uh, Tara, if you were to say what is the, the purpose or message of this book, what would that be? Well, my main goal was to compile the history for my children. You know, my oldest was, I think, 11, and my youngest was 2 when Grandpa was killed and they deserve to have answers to their adult questions and I as their mother was gung-ho on that I was going to be the one providing that for them because I didn't want them getting a corrupted message about their grandfather they need to know the truth the why and the details and so I dove in to the research I compiled it and I there's probably over 400 end notes in my book so the research is there, it is cited, it's referenced, and I, that was my motivation. But my, my secondary motivation was, as I've traveled the country and spoke with my mom about what truly happened to our dad and, our, and the story, minus the, you know, the sensationalized false media report, I realized that so many people across the United States, even in different countries, they have little sound bites but they just don't have the full story, and they want to know the full story. But how can you tell the full story in a five-minute conversation? You just can't. And so now I have a tool where I can say, you sincerely want to know? Here. Here's this 400-page book. Please go read it, and then let's have a discussion. Because in there, it spells out the entire story. And um, I've worked really hard to do it in a way that is compelling and not boring political philosophy, but to be able to feel the pain of the effects of the political pendulum, the violent swing of that, and how it's resulted on our family being victims, and to teaching political philosophy within the tragic story. And so... The book, again, Liberty Rising, One Cowboy's Ascent, The Murder of Lavoy Finnicum is Told by His Daughter. You know, Tara, the, the time has flown by. We will get you back on, but uh, thank you for coming on. I know how busy you are, and uh, we'll bring you back on to talk a little bit about uh, more about the book uh, next month. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Thanks, Joy. I appreciate it. That was Tara Tenney. The book that she just wrote, she is the daughter of Lavoy Finnicum, Liberty Rising, One Cowboy's Ascent, The Murder of Lavoy Finnicum. You can find it on Amazon. You owe it to yourself and to Lavoy and the message that he was carrying to read that book. Get it today. We'll be back right after this break.
Welcome back to the Joe Carey Show right here on K Talk 1640 AM, KYAH in Central Utah and Coast to Coast on the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Thank you guys for tuning in, uh, for listening and um yeah, supporting the show. You know, we just heard from Tara Tenney, uh, the author, and now I'm uh, pleased to welcome James Scott. He is a student. I believe he's at the Utah Valley University. Uh, he's on with us, and uh, James is actually, um, he's interested in radio, of all things, Brian. I mean, I, I think we should do our best to talk him out of it, but uh, yeah, he's, he's dedicated to the cause. So, James, thank you for uh, taking the time to join us today. Hey, thanks. I'm happy to be here. So uh, you're at the University of Utah? No, you're at Utah Valley University. Yeah, UVU, correct. That's, got, that's, that's undergone so many uh, name transformations, uh, but it's Utah Valley University. And James, it's clear that you, my friend, have, uh, shall we say, an accent of sorts. I do. I have the Australian accent from Gold Coast, Australia. Okay, and how long have you been here? How long have you been studying at the UVU for? I've been here a year and a half, closing in maybe two years now, I believe. And how long is that flight from uh, Australia oh, to to Utah? Oh, it's, it's not something, it's 17 hours, something ridiculous. It's crazy long. And is it true, because I've heard this, I've heard this, that on that flight, because it's 17 hours, if the person in front of you reclines, you can actually uh, ask them to leave the airplane mid-flight. What? Is that true? Because yeah. I've heard that. Maybe. I've never heard it myself, though. I can check when I can fly back over if you want. No, that's just that's just a pet peeve of mine. Uh, people reclining on airplane seats. Um, if I had the money, well, if I had the money, I'd actually fly first class. But then, you know, I guess I could do poor man's first class and buy the seat in front of my own, and exactly. that way I could guarantee that no one, yeah, would uh, would recline. But James, let me ask you this: You have a podcast. I believe it's a weekly podcast with a co-host. Tell the audience the name of the podcast and a little a little bit about the philosophy behind it. Yeah, so I do a podcast. I actually started with my ex-co-worker um, from UVU, Andrew Creer, and the whole idea and notion about it was kind of meeting in the middle, hence the name of the podcast is actually meeting in the middle, because Andrew himself leans more left, more liberal, while I lean more Republican conservative. Um, and we wanted to have discourse that would you know, unite us and be able to under some commonality with one another instead of having this divisiveness that we see um, so constant in the media today and in the world today. And we thought it would be a good idea to be able to meet in the middle and, you know, agree, disagree, vote, have civil discourse that we can learn from one another and share ideas. And what's the name of the podcast and where can people listen to it at? Yeah, Meeting in the Middle. Um, you can find it on Anchor. You can find it on Spotify. Uh, Google Play, I think it's called. You can find it on the iTunes Store. Essentially, any platform that hosts podcasts, you'll be able to find it on several. Okay, and that's Meeting in the Middle with James Scott. And James, let me ask you this. So we have, you know, a lot of stories in the news today. Uh, you know, people are accusing Donald Trump of having politicized the Fourth uh, of July celebration. Mm -hmm. uh, did you hear the stories about the 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 woman in Texas and the gentleman in Louisiana who licked 
the ice cream containers and then put them back on the store shelves? I did. I have read about that. Um, so let, let me ask you this. As a conservative, as a conservative, mm-hmm. what do you think the punishment and maybe that's a normal thing in Australia, maybe because it's so hot down there, maybe you all just take a break, you walk into ice cream stores and take a free lick. But here in the States, that's a little bit uh, untoward, shall we say. What do you think the punishment should be for someone who does that? Oh, yeah. I hate to be the arbitrator with something like this, though. I don't know. James, this is, James this is an easy one. I mean, this is knock this one out of the park. James, someone's licking your ice cream. This is not hard. I would... Some hefty fines. I I reckon some hefty fines and some good... Some good jail time. At least from my part, I would say some good jail time just for the ill intent and the possibilities of, you know, cross-contamination and what else comes from that. Um, No, no. It's it's a 12-year prison sentence to Gitmo. That That is the penalty. That's what I hear. That's what I heard. I heard it was something from four years to 12 years, though I don't expect her to get any of those. I believe she'll most likely get a slap on the wrist. Though, yeah, I would expect some prison time. I expect some sort of hefty fines, talking tens of thousands. Well, James, let me ask you this. She's a minor, so I think you're right. She's going to get the slap on the wrist. There's a 36-year-old male in Louisiana who did the same thing. But this guy, he videotapes himself pulling out the ice cream, licking it, and then replacing it uh, in the freezer. But he has the receipt, which shows that he did purchase it. So he didn't leave it there. But he was just trying. Are you familiar with TikTok? Yeah. So he's trying to get TikTok likes and hearts. Because you're in that generation, right? You're in the show me generation, the TikTok generation. He really didn't cause any harm, right? He licked it. He put it back. He's trying to be funny. What penalty, if any, and I'm curious about this, what penalty, if any, do you feel he should get being from that generation? For the penalty, um because right, he didn't, he didn't leave it there. Someone, right, someone's not going to go in and pick it up and get typhus from it. Yeah, well, I guess it falls under the fact that he's stoking others to then follow his footsteps almost because it comes off as some political stunt. Well, not political stunt. It comes off as some more of a public stunt. And, you know, like you said, it's there to bait in TikTok views and grow his, grow his channel platform, whatever you call that thing. Um, but penalty... Oof. Again, I would say a fine when you're talking about someone who's purchased the ice cream and had no intentions of leaving the ice cream for someone else to then have the possibility of you know bacterial infections or some sort of malintent after all. Yes, I agree. Ten years in Gitmo, right next to the woman serving <laughs> 12 years. That sounds about right. <laughs> You're too nice. You're the conservative. You're supposed to be heartless. You're supposed to be, you know, law and justice. Maybe I'm conservative, but you have to you have to look at it with more of a. Your country is a penal colony, isn't that how Australia started? It is how Australia started. You Correct. should be all for throwing people in jail. <laughs> Come on, that's not how it works. Oh yeah, I agree. I feel like if you continue to give the slap on the wrist that we do um, in general, then all you're doing is encouraging further behaviour and further you know, misuse, and I think that's a problem in itself. So need to set the example and maybe lay down a bit more harder punishments.
Okay, so James, I have two questions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to your home turf about Australia itself. I've never been. I've never. I had the opportunity oh, yeah. to go once, and then I heard it was uh, 17 hours, and people were allowed yeah. to recline in their chairs. And I just no, 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 thank you. I couldn't take the risk. But let me ask you this: I've heard that you have ginormous spiders in Australia. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Have you seen? I wake have, up and like, you know, you're talking size your hand. Size your hand, that's a normal normal house spider. It's called a huntsman spider that you'd find in your house. They're not, not deadly, so they'll bite you. And you know, Wait, wait, the spiders will play. bite you? Oh, yeah. The spiders will bite you. You have anything from black widows or redbacks, we call in Australia, to huntsmen, to Sydney funnel web spiders, to... Okay, um, but wait, what's the, biggest, but what's the biggest spider you have seen? Like, you personally... Oh. Uh, Sydney funnel web spider, probably the size of your size of your palm, but it's got legs as thick as a pencil, and its abdomen is about as thick as a rubber ball. Oh, you can't even oh, yeah. step on it. If you step on it, it'll be like oh, like it'll be you like a real murder. It. Yeah, you probably won't even kill it. That's the problem. It's so like armored and protected. And do I they bite you? Do they? Do they? Are they aggressive? Yeah. Are these spindly spiders aggressive? Oh yeah, that Sydney funnel web is definitely aggressive. It like goes up on its hind legs, shows its fangs. So if you go down that thing, you're in for a bite and some poison. Good grief. No wonder you came to the UVU. Hey, last question, <laughs> uh, James. The most famous Australian. If you had to say, hey, Joe, your audience, this is the Australian that most people would know. Who would that be? Who is the most famous Australian that you can throw at us? Ooh, Ned Kelly. Oh, my gosh. Brian, do you, do you know who <laughs> Ned Kelly is? Brian is saying, okay, okay, I'll go for it. Who is Ned Kelly? He's more of like a reprobate. Um, fantastic. The penal colony, of course, he's the reprobate. This is this is reprobate. fantastic. Isn't the alligator hunter, isn't he from Australia? Yeah, the guy that says Steve crikey? Owen. Steve Owen. You're yeah, right. Steve Owen's probably more of a popularized figure. More of a... Oh, my gosh. I'm teaching the Australian. James, oh, I enjoyed the time. We will have you back on. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate the fun you had with us. Guys, thank you for tuning into the show. Stay tuned. Eric Mutsos up next right here on the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.